Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to the Gospel according to John and chapter 10. We have one of our free Bibles, that is page 993. The Gospel according to John chapter 10 and verse 10, it is the latter part of that verse that is upon my spirit. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10 verse 10, the whole verse reads, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Our Lord in this verse draws a contrast, a comparison between those that have come before the Lord, those that were not the promised Saviour, the promised Messiah, those that made out that they were, those that made out they could offer to the people some way of salvation and yet actually robbed them and took from them that which they even had. And so there's a big contrast here. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And may we always remember that any are not the Lord Jesus Christ and do not point to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not neutral. They are not just something harmless. Our Lord is very clear, uh, and John is when he writes in his uh, second epistle, if any bring not this doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, receive him not into your houses. Those that come as an imposter, those that come to take away from the Lord, they steal, they kill, they destroy. May we have very clear views of error and of antichrist, those that are not Christ. But the contrast is what the Lord has come for. has not only come that his people might have life, but that they might have it more abundantly. And he's looking at the word here before us this morning, the life and that more abundantly that the Lord Jesus Christ is come that his people might have. So I want to look firstly at those spoken of in the text and really confining remarks to to our text rather than the whole verse. And then secondly, the reason the Lord came. Our text says, I am come. And then thirdly, the gift of life, because the life is not just life, but it is that they might have that life more abundantly. But firstly, those spoken of in the text. I am, right the way through this beautiful parable of our Lord and the Lord's discourse on it, the parable of the Good Shepherd 
and of his sheep, we have the words, I am. In verse 7, we read, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 9, I am the door. In verse 10, our text, I am come. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And verse 14 again, I am the good shepherd. All the way through, we have the I am. We can't help but be reminded of that which the Lord answered Moses in the fiery bush in the wilderness where Moses asked the name of the Lord. And our Lord gave the answer, I am that I am. And he was to tell the children of Israel that I am that I am hath sent me. That is, sent Moses. And here is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking of himself in these same terms. He is the eternal God. He is true God and true man. The Jews, they accused him of being a man and making himself God. And yet he testifies in this uh, very chapter, verse 30, I and my Father are one. And that union with his Father He testifies that he does the works of the Father. The Father is in me and I in him. Verse 38. And uh, the truth of the one who is speaking, unique, never before, never after, never will ever be, another one that is this God's provision one in the Trinity, the eternal Son of God made manifest in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head, Jesus of Nazareth, he is the one that is speaking here. He is the one who testifies that he is the door testifies that he is the good shepherd, testifies that God is his father and that his father gave to him a people, a sheep, and that is the others that are mentioned here, the they. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. They, who is they is not put I am come that everyone in the world might have life and that they might have it more abundantly every man, woman and child but they who are the they those that he is speaking of here as his sheep those that were given him of his father In verse 27, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them, those same they, eternal life 
And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And it is very clear, these are the they, these are those that he is speaking of, given him of his father, his sheep, those that hear his voice. So is there a contrast of those that are not they, not his sheep? There is. Because there are those that are spoken of here that the Lord says clearly that they are not of his sheep. In verse 26, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I follow them, and I know them, and they follow me. The reason why they could not hear, they did not hear, was because they were not of his sheep. Some people are God's sheep and some are not. Even in this assembly around our Lord here, the Lord makes a distinction in his hearers and with those that he is uh, talking to. He says in verse 15, As the Father knoweth me, Even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And he makes it clear it's not just of the Jews, but Gentiles also. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice, there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So the Gentiles, they must also be brought, and they're shall be one fold. We see that in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, especially when the Apostle makes it very clear that they which were far off, the Gentiles, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And there is now that joining together of those two folds. And there's one shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is important when we have a text like this, the Lord is speaking, I am, and then he is speaking specifically of a people, a people described here. So it's very important that we realise God does not say that when People are born into this world. He marks them, those that are his and those that are not. We are all born in sin and shapen in iniquity. There is no difference by nature at all. The difference is what the Lord has come to do for his people and to do for his sheep. Salvation belongs and begins firstly with God. The Kingdom of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And so he begins with them. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And so our Lord then says the reason why he came. And he gives the reason why he came. I want to look at this in the second place. I am come that. 
they might have eternal life, that they might have it more abundantly. We could put it this way, if the Lord had not come, they might not have life. They could not have life. The giving of life is bound up with the Lord coming. And so when we think of what the Lord did upon this earth, the first is that he did come. And remember, he is the one that is speaking here. He's not saying, I will come, but I am come. I am here. I have already come. God manifest in the flesh made of a woman, the seed of the woman, and made under the law to redeem them that are under the law. So his coming, his very being made flesh and dwelt among us, was vital for the giving of life. That the Lord Jesus should be here speaking as he is, seen by them, viewed by them, that were round about him. His whole life is bound up with the giving of eternal life for his people, a life that was perfect and pure and spotless and righteous in all that he did and all that he said. Then we think of the witness that his father gave to him in all of the miracles that were done. Our Lord is very clear on that, that the works that I do, they bear witness of me and they bear testimony that our Lord was sent by God. And as the man born blind testified that if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Those seals of the miracles were a testimony that God was with him, that he was God, that the blessing was upon him. And so then we have his death and sufferings at Calvary, fulfilling the scriptures that our Lord should be the Lamb, as John Baptist said, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The sacrifice had to be offered. Our Lord was the offerer. He was the offering. He laid down his life for the sheep. He had power to take it again. And this, he says in this same chapter, this chapter is so full of the vital things of redemption. He says in verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So, very good for us. When we are looking for the blessings of God and for the salvation of God and the gifts of life to think within ourselves 
that this must be inseparable to our Lord's coming and to what he did upon this earth. It focuses our minds upon what is vital. It takes away all of the controversies of different doctrines and thoughts and teachings and, and brings us to our Lord Jesus Christ to those 33 years that he had upon the earth to what was done there, what was accomplished and the scriptures being fulfilled. It is that which we are to concentrate on. The Apostle says, Apostle Paul, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So it really is saying to God manifest in the flesh his life here below and his death and his sufferings. There is the secret. That is what he has come to do. That they, his sheep, his people, that are like all other dead in trespasses and sins, that they might have life. It brings the possibility. It enables them to have life. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without his sufferings and his death, they could not be justly, righteously given life and they could not be given it more abundantly. So it is in the Lord's coming that makes that way that God is able to do this. And it is the Lord himself that gives eternal life. We have this uh, spoken of later on in the uh, chapter, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. I want to look then thirdly at the gift of life. You might say, well, the people that he is speaking to and his sheep, they already have life. They already are living. Those he's speaking to are adults and they, they are living. They have life. But the way our Lord is speaking of is that they don't have life and that they might have life. But we are told that when we are born, we are spiritually dead. The sentence for our first parents was in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And really, what an illustration we have of spiritual death in this chapter. Because we have those that are hearing our Lord speaking and testifying of who he is but they are not receiving it. And we read that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And the natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Man dies, and we all reminded of that, especially of late, with many that we know have been taken from this earthly scene. But it is more than just 
death in the grave, we are spiritually dead and incapable of receiving, of believing, of knowing anything in a spiritual way. God has given to men much wisdom and understanding in many, many things. He can do many marvellous inventions of many things. But God has withheld from him the ability to find out God, to know him, to enjoy him, in that he has reserved that solely through the preaching of the gospel, through the word of God, and through his own direct work. Man by searching cannot find out God. The hymn writer says, we must not learn God's truth as schoolboys learn their task. You cannot set before people, natural men, a whole system of learn this and that and be brought up and at the end you sign and say that you're a Christian. The work is God's work. He gives eternal life. He imparts that eternal life. Now when a child starts to go to school, the reason why they can learn anything is because they're living. You cannot teach someone something when they are dead. And if they are to learn spiritual things, they must be spiritually alive. That must be the very first gift. And this is why we, we read the portion in, in Romans, because our Lord is speaking of that life and that which he gives first in Romans chapter 5. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it is while we are yet dead in sins, he died for the ungodly. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The Lord must give life. I pass by thee when thou wast in thy blood, and when thou wast in thy blood, I bid thee live. That is a gift. By grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And the giving of the new birth in John 3, ye must be born again of the Spirit, and the gift of Faith, the Lord Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That is an instantaneous gift from God. He uses his word, he uses the preaching of the word, but it is a gift from God. That life is given, justly and righteously given because Christ died he suffered in our place. He rose again for our justification and because he has paid the death that we owe so he can give life to his people. And this is what he does do, why he came. Not just for the generation where he lived there, but all the Old Testament saints and every one of his people right to the end of the world. They shall come to the time that he gives them 
life. He begins a work. He which hath begun a good work in you. And the beginning of that work is to give life and to quicken into life. The Father quickeneth whom he will. A sovereign quickening into life. So is that gift of life. It is spiritual life. But may we know that that is eternal life. And what is meant there is not just for this life. Paul says to the Corinthians, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men most miserable. And our Lord's word in John 10 here is that what he gives to them is eternal life. Verse 28, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That life that is given also puts them in his hand and in his Father's hand, in a place of security. It is all God's work, what he is doing, what he is giving. And if you and I are given a hearing ear to the word of God, if we hear the word, the word has authority with us. If the Lord speaks to us through his word, we fall under his word. We read in Acts, then they that gladly received his word were baptised. How do we receive his word? How do we act with his word? Do we obey it? Do we feed upon his word? Is his word the words of life to us? Except ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, ye have no life in you. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so this is the gift, the gift of life. But our Lord doesn't just say, I am come that they might have life, but that they might have it more abundantly. What does he mean when he says more abundantly? Well, there are several ways. The first is more abundant than what Adam had before he fell. Adam was capable of falling and he did. Uh, Adam, he dwelt uh, on this earth. But those that are Given eternal life, they shall dwell with God himself in heaven, in his throne. They shall be incapable of falling. They shall be forever with the Lord. They shall be given a spiritual and uh, a body that is a celestial eternal body. And they are no more... Uh, mortal at all they are in a much better state and condition than Adam was Adam became mortal when he sinned sin entered into the world and death by sin and so then he must die but that gift that is more abundant than Adam and we've spoken of it Regarding the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it speaks better things than that of Abel. All the time there's those comparisons. But the gift that our Lord gives in the Gospel 
gives back a lot more than whatever was lost through Adam. And so as well it is the gift of eternal life so that there shall be an abundant life above. You imagine if the Lord just gave eternal life here below and we just stayed in the body that we have here. We lived like Methuselah. We lived 900 years, but then we lived and lived and lived. But we still had all our infirmities and sicknesses and weaknesses. And What kind of eternal life would that be? No, our first parents were driven out of the Garden of Eden lest they put forth their hand and touch the tree of life, almost implying that if they were to continue living and have eternal life yet in a fallen state, what a miserable state that would be. But in the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, we must go through death. This body must put on immortality this corruptible put on incorruption, this mortal put on immortality. And that gift, it gives not only that eternal existence and with the Lord life, not eternal death, but it gives a body, a body as thou uh, made, prepared for me, and that's not only for our Lord, but for his people, raised again, like our Lord, as the first roots from the dead. And so that is the more abundant. The Apostle says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, if all men most miserable, the more abundant life is looking to that which is to come, that which is eternally with the Lord in heaven, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tempting devil, no more of this fallen world and uh, fallen men and women. No, it is a more abundant life. But another aspect is more abundant in that when the Lord begins his work, then there is to be a growth in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think of a natural birth being given, and a baby born into this world, we wouldn't think, well, that's all there is to that baby's life, that they just have life. Because immediately then, with that life, they begin to learn. Uh, learn how to use the faculties that they have, in hearing and speaking, they learn. In seeing, they learn. They learn to walk, they learn to talk, they learn to do things. And all the way through our lives, we are learning. And there's that growth of life, if you like. It's not just remaining in a vegetative state, it's not just remaining in ignorance, but it is possessing a fullness of that life, more of that life. That life is being used, it's being useful and that person is benefiting from actually having life. 
And so we have in Romans 5 again where we read that much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. He's saying if while we were yet sinners Christ died for us how much more now that we are saved and we're quickened by God we're made alive shall we be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And so the prospect and expectancy of those that are quickened into spiritual life is that God will give for that life more life more knowledge, more understanding, more enjoyment of God himself and of his people and that they will live according to that life. The Apostle says, By the grace of God I am what I am. But he was very active, he was very diligent and he used the knowledge and used the grace and used the blessings that God had given him. Peter as well, restored, he was to strengthen his brethren, he was to feed them, his sheep. Same parable as it were, same illustration as in John 10. Lord said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. This was the commission that was then given to, uh, to Peter. And it should then be with us that concern if we have this life that our Lord is speaking of that it won't just be a dormant thing it will be bubbling up it will be growing and in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord it will be that which is thriving what would we think of a baby naturally that never grew that never developed. There are those that are like that. Uh, and they are counted as afflictions, as trials, as disabilities, deformities. Those that do not have the capability to learn or to do what others are able to do. But in the spiritual realm, where the Lord gives life, then it won't just be life on its own. There'll be those things that accompany salvation. There'll be the fruits of the Spirit. There'll be the love to God and love to his people, a hatred to sin and a love of holiness. And there'll be those things that are nurtured by the word of God it is to be their meat and their drink. The Lord uses the word. May we never think that just because the Lord gives life, then it's just automatic. There's many exhortations to those that have life through the word of God in how they are to walk, how they are to please God, how they are to act before God, what they are to shun, what they are to embrace. All of these things are set before us, but 
where we have been given life, we have it hearing ear. And in the letters to the Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Those that have an ear are those that have spiritual life, that the Lord has given life to. And so it is the will of God, the whole purpose of him coming. The text does not just say, I am come that they might have life, but it is and that they might have it more abundantly. In this life, by the grace of God, and you know, I, I must make this caution, there are some churches that teach that, well, that they just embrace, accept the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they live life to the full. And it seems that their embracing of the gospel is an excuse for more embracing of the things of this world with both hands. It's just casting the name of the Lord into the scale in all of their hobbies, pursuits and worldly ways. And they bring the world into the church and the world's music into the church. And they just say that, well, we have life more abundant now. It's much more enjoyable it's much more uh, better now. And all it is is their conscience is just pacified and they're just enjoying this world more. But it's not the life, not the spiritual life that's in the Word of God. That which comes by faith is clearly set forth in Hebrews that those that embrace the promises that see them afar off, they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. They that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. If our possession of or prefer life brings us to more embrace and love the things of this world, it is not the life that our Lord spoke of. The world for our Lord said, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Our Lord says in John 17, Of these sheep, these they, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. The word of God by whom the people, by which the life comes to the people of God, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. That is what stirs up the hatred of this world. If we are the people of God, we will use this world as not abusing it, holding it with a loose hand, but seeking that country which is to come. This is not your rest, says the Lord, it is polluted. And if we know the blessing of what it is to have a spiritual life in Christ, we'll long for that which is above. These are but shadows. That's another way in which it is more abundantly. The life that he gives here is a life of faith. We live a life of faith and prayer. But the more abundant life above is a life by sight. And seeing then shall we know, even as we are known, without a veil between. 
The work that the Lord does in giving life, it doesn't just stay by faith as it is now. Toiling in troubles, in trials, in tribulation, the trial of your faith being made much more than precious than gold or silver. No, that is aimed for, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. May we have that true reflection of the life that the Lord has come to give to his people and that they might have it more abundantly and have their sights fully set on his Son coming again, coming from heaven and to be with him forever with the Lord. A people weaned from the, Lord, from the world a people separated unto the Lord, a peculiar people, a people that are purchased people, a people that have what others don't have and they have it by the grace and mercy and sovereignty of God. That's the blessing of life. And have it more abundantly. I believe we'll know it, we'll know it more abundantly in measure here and there'll be that anticipating from this text to have it more abundantly in heaven above this what we have of the life of God in our souls here is not the in view in Psalm 84 we read he shall give grace and glory that is what the Lord will do for his dear people so maybe desire that life if we have that life, seek that we might indeed grow in grace and that we might know more of that life of God in our souls. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Lord add his blessing. Amen.